This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. At the half hour, we'll get the life story of the actor who portrayed Dagwood in the radio series Blondie. His biography I found really interesting, so I'm going to reserve some further comments until that time. Simply go to our first program tonight, and it's a good one, Nick Carter, Master Detective, and the case of the corpse in the cab. It's another case for that most famous of all manhunters, the detective whose ability at solving crime is unequaled in the case of detective fiction. Nick Carter, Master Detective. Tonight's curious adventure, The Corpse in the Cab, or Nick Carter and the Mystery of the Murder in the Park. Taxi? Taxi? Uh, Mr. Ramsey, you are very kind indeed to take such an interest in this uh, problem. Why, dear fellow, I consider it my civic duty. Uh, taxi! Ah, here's a cab now. Yes. Okay, gents, make it snappy. We're blocking traffic. All right. You get in first. My party, you know, my party. Thank you. Where to, gents? I guess the quickest way to get there is through the park. Yes, drive through the park. I'll tell you where to turn. Okay. I believe it is on West 54th Street. And there's a flag out there. Uh, excuse me, uh, uh, driver. Yeah? Uh, do you mind if I shut this glass partition between us? Go right ahead, boss. You're paying the fare. Here, let me do it for you. Ah, well, that's better. Nice winter evening. Stars twinkling. Ought to pick us up for the grim business ahead. Uh, lucky thing I ran into you. Lucky thing. <laughs> yes, indeed, Mr. Ramsey. It seems fate destined me to make your acquaintance this afternoon. Yes, lucky thing. <laughs> Just my little way of keeping air out of the windpipe. <laughs> There you are, my dear fellow. <sighs> Mighty lucky thing I ran into you tonight. You gotta help me, Nick. You gotta. They'll slap me in stir. Now take it easy, Shorty. Take it easy. 
Now, tell me again exactly what happened. Like I said, two guys hailed my cab. One of them says to drive through the park. He'll tell me where to turn out. And when you get out of the park? The one guy opens the petition again and says to pull up. He's getting out. He tells me to drive the other guy to the precinct police station. And, Nick, if I hadn't looked around when I came to the intersection and seen what I seen, I'd have driven right up to the pool house with a dead body in my cab. Me, Shorty Bentano. You don't remember what the man looked like, Shorty. In the dark? I ain't got cat's eyes, Nick. <laughs> Gee, what's that? You are jumpy. And just Patsy buzzing me in the talk bag. Oh. Nick, in the inimitable words of Mr. Winchell, my stomach and my backbone are now a twosome. When do we eat? You'll have to order yourself a sandwich, Patsy. We've got work to do. Work? Tonight? Mm-hmm. And Patsy, get me a police headquarters. Lieutenant Riley. Okay, Nick. You're going to turn me in, Nick? I thought you'd help me. I am going to help you, Shorty. But the sooner the police know about the murdered man outside in your cab, the better it is for you. You're crazy, Nick. I done time. I ain't got a chance. If the cops find that stiff in my buggy, it's curtains for me. I'm getting out of here. Shorty, sit down there. Nick, they'll give me the hot seat for something I never done. No, they won't, Shorty. Not while my name's Nick Carter. Hall, Nick. Not one bit of identification on this body. No bullet trace, no knife, no nothing. Well, what did you want the murderer to do, Riley? Leave his calling card? Uh, I'm always getting stuck with one of these dud cases. It takes months to solve them. We don't even know who this stiff is. Now, Riley, flash your light inside here again. Oh, sure, sure. Yes. You see something? I'm just looking. You see, his pockets are turned inside out. Uh, the motive was robbery, all right. No, Riley, I don't think so. Huh? Doesn't look prosperous enough to rob. Ah, Nick, you're always looking for what's not there. That might mean something, too. Now, huh? well, Riley, evidently the murderer didn't care to have his victim's identity uncovered too soon. Say, what are you looking at his hands for, Nick? Riley, have your laboratory analyze this white powder under the nail of his right index finger. Well, say, there is something under his fingernail. Yes. I have an idea. You'll find it's chalk. Chalk? Well, sure, you're a smart one, Nick. With these lily white hands, hey, this guy was a pool player, a professional, maybe, huh? Maybe. But don't bank on it. Now, Riley, about Shorty. I'm holding him, Nick. Never fear about that. Now, look, Riley, he's a favorite of me. Don't pull him in yet. Oh, great jumping banshees, Nick. I've got to. Listen, Riley, he had nothing to do with this murder. If he were a party to it, he'd have dumped the body out somewhere, wouldn't he? Well... Certainly would. Shorty's been on the right side of the fence ever since he got out of the big house. And he's given me a hand on cases from time to time. I know. You owe him a favor, and I owe you a barrel of them. Well, that's about it. Well, okay. I'll shut my eyes for 24 hours. No longer, though, mind you. Thanks, Riley. Uh, Nick, well, where are you going? To find a murderer. Boy, this is some buggy you got here, Nick. Four speeds ahead, a siren, two searchlights... Anytime you need a chauffeur regular, I'll hire on. Like driving my car. Huh? It's like handling a baby carriage. Uh-oh, we're turning into 54th Street now, Nick. All right, Shorty. Slow down a little. 
Now, what was it you heard your passenger say? One says the quickest way to get there is through the park. I'll tell you where to turn off. And then the other guy says it's on West 54th Street and there's a flag out. And then the other guy shuts the partition and I don't hear no more. Well, 54th Street doesn't run very far here on this side. I don't see nothing on this block. Flags, flags. Usually on public buildings, aren't they? You think maybe this is going to be a clue, Nick? Shorty, everything's a clue when you don't have much to go on. Nick, look. Flagpole. Yeah, very handsome flagpole. Yeah, but it's a police station. A police station? Good. What's good about it? Let's get out of here. You're safe until tomorrow night, Riley. Riley keeps his word. You want I should uh, keep going slow? Nope. I got the first link in our chain. You can put the speed on again. Where to now? To pick up Patsy. I sent her to the Bureau of Missing Persons on 30th Street. Ah, Nick, another cop house. I don't like them places. George Day, 2345 Elmhurst Drive, occupation truck driver. When last seen, was wearing gray coveralls. No, he's not the one. Gee, Nick, the guy ain't been missing long enough for anybody to get excited about it. He's only been dead a few hours. I'm playing a hunch, Shorty. Oh. You want me to read the rest of the names on the list, Nick? Wait a minute, Patsy. Hmm? Do you have a school teacher on the list? Yes. How did you know? Never mind. What did he look like? Well, uh, let me see. Um, yeah. Ivan Johnson... Number two, St. Anne's Drive. Occupation, professor of ancient history. Good. When last seen, was wearing dark blue overcoat, gray hat, white shirt, blue tie, and always wears... Wears pince-nez glasses. Yes. So did our corpse. The glasses were missing at the time, but the bridge of his nose bore prints of them. Boy, I'm glad I'm going straight. Even the dead wake up and talk when Nick Carter gets on the case. Nick, how in the world did you know it would be a school teacher? Well, I didn't for sure. But nose glasses, plus chalk under the nail of the index finger, plus a sensitive face and the general appearance added up to teacher for me when I looked at the corpse. Next, I figured if he were a school teacher, he'd be expected home by 5 o'clock. His wife or family would be unduly worried if he hadn't showed up by 8 or so and would call the missing persons bureau. But who'd want to murder a poor school teacher? One step at a time, Betsy. And we know this much already. Our Mr. Johnson intended going to the 54th Street police station when he and his murderer hailed Shorty's cab. Oh, I see, Nick. Then you think that Professor Johnson was killed because of something he intended to tell the authorities. Mm -hmm. Simple the way he tells it, ain't it? One, two, three. Yes, you're very clever, Mr. Carter. But don't you think maybe his wife could tell us what it was he was going to tell the cops? Perhaps he told her first. Yes, Patsy, that's just what I do think. Uh, what was his address? Mm, just a minute. Oh, yes, here it is. Number two, St. Anne's Drive. Right. Okay, Shorty. Take us to number two, St. Anne's Drive. And hurry. Mrs. Johnson, I'm Nick Carter, and this is my assistant, Patsy Bowen. How do you do? How do you do, Mrs. Johnson? Did the police send you, Mr. Carter? Did they find him? Did they find my husband? I'm only here to ask you a few questions concerning your husband. Oh, then they haven't found him. I, uh, I really can't say. Now, tell me, did your husband mention whom he was going to see after school hours today? Ivan always comes right home after his classes. I thought that he might have had some special appointment today. Oh, no, no. Mrs. Johnson, how was your husband feeling when he left for school this morning? Oh, he, 
He was in such a mood this morning. Talked about right and justice until my, my head fairly whirled. You know, he doesn't like to see people cheated, Mr. Carter. Ivan's a very honest person. What do you mean, cheated, Mrs. Johnson? He said he wasn't going to stand by and see the students in his school tricked out of their dimes and quarters. He was going to see right and justice done. The kids are being cheated. Uh, what school is this? Central High School. Ivan is the ancient history professor. He's taught there for 12 years. And where's his office there? Why, he's at the same office all that time. Number 12 on the first floor. I've always been happy about that. It's such a sunny little room. Well, Mrs. Johnson, you've been very helpful. Do you think they'll find him tonight? Do you think something terrible has happened? Why, the police will keep you informed. Good night. Good night, Mrs. Johnson. Try to get some sleep. Thank you, but I I, I couldn't. Not till Ivan's home. Safe. I thought you were going to the school where Professor Johnson taught. That's not over here in the West Side Business District. Glad to see you on your toes, Patsy, and working on all four cylinders. Nose to the grindstone, shoulder to the wheel, and all that. I'm proud of you. All right, all right. But what are we doing over here? In just a moment, you'll see for yourself. This is the place, Nick. Right, sweetie. All right, come on, Patsy. Want me to go with you, Nick? No, you stay here and keep your eyes open. Okay, and good luck. Come on, Patsy. We still got a lot to do if we want to keep Shorty out of Lieutenant Riley's foul clutches. I'm glad they didn't lock the front door in this office building tonight. Hey, that's funny. There's no night watchman here. There usually is. Well, Patsy, never look a gift horse in the teeth. No watchman, no trouble. Hey, it's spooky in here. There's one little light in this whole foyer. Wish we brought Shorty in with us. He'll do us more good, keeping watch outside. You really think this is where Ivan Johnson was this afternoon? We know Shorty picked him up in front of this building. And this is the only office building in this block. All the rest are warehouses. It's pretty deserted, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. And the elevators, of course, have stopped for the night. And this is a ten-story building. Well, Nick, maybe if we look at the directory board, we'll be able to figure out what office Professor Johnson might have visited. Well, that's what I'm hoping. Now, let's see. Ah, there doesn't seem to be a name on this directory that helps us out at all. There isn't, is there? Oh, Nick, what'll we do? Doesn't take much brain work to figure that one. Maybe we can tell if we have a look at the doors of the offices in this building. So, we'll just have to go from office to office. Now, come on, let's start climbing. There's nobody on this floor. All doctors and dentist offices. Don't think Johnson's business was with any of them today. Come on, up we go. See anything on this floor, Nick? No, nobody or nothing to interest a school teacher. Nick, I just don't think I can make another floor. You've got to, Patsy. We must cover every floor. This is the top. Yeah. 
And we don't know any more than we did before. Nick, this place is as empty as a number two ration book. We might as well... What is it? thought I heard something. Nick, there's someone in that office. Yeah. And yet the lights are out. The name on the door says, Gerald Ramsey, promotion counselor. Let's pay him a visit. Stay behind me now, to the left of my flash. All right. <laughs> and who is flashing that pretty light at my office at this time of night? Mr. Ramsey. That's my name. And yours? Nick Carter. Surely you don't mean that you're Nick Carter, the great detective. That's who he is, Mr. Ramsey. Sorry to bother you, Mr. Ramsey, but my assistant and I were just having a look around this building. Well, well, too bad the fuse is blown out of my office here. Or you could have a good look. <laughs> Who are you after? You don't happen to know of any business in this building that might have dealings with a school teacher, do you? A school teacher? Mm-hmm. Let me see. A school teacher? Why, no, uh, no, there is. I never heard of it. But then there's such a lot I never heard of. Uh-oh. Oh, you... You knocked over that whole stack of packages. Oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Ramsey. I, I dropped my handkerchief and I was leaning over to pick it up. Anything breakable in them? Oh, no, no, no. It's quite all right. Oh, thank goodness for that. Yes, uh, just some things a friend of mine left here until he came back. Just leave them there. I'll take care of them. No, at least let me pick them up. No, 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 no. Uh, never mind. Just leave them there. They, uh, they won't mind staying where they are for a while, I'm sure. Well, all right, if you say so. Yes, I do. So you can just run along and continue your search for whatever it was you were looking for. Good evening. Good evening. Now, Patsy, if you're okay, we better be on our way. Sorry we disturbed your uh, reverie, Mr. Ramsey. Reverie? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> really? You was an odd specimen. You think he knows anything, Nick? Well, if he does, he isn't talking. Come on. Oh, gosh, Nick, all that climbing up and downstairs just for nothing. I'm worn out. Maybe it wasn't all for nothing, Patsy. You mean you found a clue somewhere here? I don't mean anything, yet. Oh, but Nick... I hope you could still walk well enough to get down the ten flights of stairs ahead of us, Patsy. I don't feel quite like carrying you just now. I guess I can make it under my own power. Where to now? Central High School. Time's a-wasting. And we still haven't uncovered a clue to the murder of the man in Shorty's cab. Nick, what do you expect to find in a schoolhouse at this time of night? Clues to Johnson's murder, I hope. Well, it's no use, Nick. The janitor's not here. I'll have one more try. That racket should wake up the ghost of Hamlet. Hmm. No answer. So? So Nick Carter's trusty pick lock will do the trick. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's black as pitch in there. Stay right beside me. Seems to me I heard that one before tonight. And look, Nick. Hmm? I barked my shins in the dark in that, that character's office. And so if you don't mind, this time I'd like to see where I'm going. Okay, Betsy. I'll use my flash and keep it down low. Shin height. Well, that's better. 
Now, come on. Better hurry or our friend Shorty's going to be sitting in the clink with a murder rap pinned on him. Okay. And she said his office was on the first floor, didn't she? Mm, yes, number 12. All bright and sunny. Here we are, Nick. Number 12. I wish it were bright and sunny in here now. This time we'll just dispense with the formalities of announcing ourselves. Well, the door's open, Nick. Yes. So it is. Come on. Snap on the light, Betsy. Switch is right behind you. Okay. Hey. Well, looks like somebody else has given Mr. Johnson's room a going over. I'm afraid we got here too late. Papers all over the floor, window wide open. What do you suppose they were looking for? Same thing we are, Patsy. Clues. Except for a different reason. You think it was the murderer? Could be. Wow. What are you reading, Nick? This poster on the wall here. Oh. A dollar buys a destroyer, high school students. Subscribe just one dollar to the high school victory league. And help by a destroyer. That's the second time tonight I've seen something like that. Oh, where's my hanky? Need any help? No, I've got one right here in my pocket. Here. Hey, wait a minute. Where'd you get this? What? The sticker that came out of your pocket with a handkerchief. Well, I don't know, Nick. Why? Why? It's got the same legend stamped on it that that poster has. Victory League. Well, so it has. Did you buy this sticker? No, I buy my destroyers by buying war bonds. Well, think, Patsy. Where did you get it? It was in your pocket with your handkerchief. Well, I don't know, Nick. I, I never put anything in this little pocket except my handkerchief. I can swear to this sticker. Well, Patsy. See anybody? No. No. Nobody here now. Are you okay, Patsy? Well, I guess so. What happened? I just happened to look up in time to see a man poking a gun through the open window. So that's why you pushed me out of the way so fast. Yes, there was no time to be polite. Thanks, Nick. Did you recognize the man at the window? No. Too bad. But he got away. Gee, Nick, you certainly shot that light out fast. Well, if he can't see us, he can't shoot us. A very logical deduction, Mr. Carter. Hey, Patsy. Hmm? Give me that sticker you picked up tonight. You think it means something to this case? You bet I do. I've just remembered where I've seen one like it. Where, Nick? Never mind now. Well, Patsy, this case is beginning to add up. I'm not mistaken, the sticker splits it wide open. Come on, I've got a job for you to do on your own, and right now. That means you've got a job that you're going to do on your own. Right. Now, this is the plan. And if it works, we'll nail our murderer red-handed. fellow you know I'm in here. Did you get the fuse fixed? Yeah. And while I was fixing it, I got something else, too. Come on in, you. Here, snap on the light and see what I picked up snooping around down the basement of this building. See? Nick Carter. Well, well, well. Mr. Carter, back again. Still looking for the same thing? No, I found what I was looking for. Oh, good. Good. It's very fine. I already lifted his rod, boss. What'll I do with him now? Huh? You've had your chance, my dear fellow. Now it's mine. You know, I have a general impression you men don't like me very well. Oh, sure, Mr. Carter. We love you. But we'll love you a lot better when you don't talk no more. But very bluntly, Mr. Carter, but that is the idea. Now, Mr. Ramsey, just what do you think I could say that would harm you? Now, don't let him fool you, boss. 
When I was hiding in the bushes outside the window back there at the schoolhouse, I heard him tell the dame the case was wide open. Shut up, Lefty. Oh, so it was you who took those shots at us through the window. Yeah, and you ain't gonna do nothing about it. Hmm, it was pretty smart, though, figuring out it was Mr. Ramsey what rubbed out the school teacher. You are a complete idiot. Stop that fool tongue of yours. Ah, what's a dip, boss? He ain't gonna live to tell it. Hmm, true. That's true, Yes, since you know so much already, we have only one recourse, Mr. Carter. Give me the gun, Lefty. Yeah, yeah, boss. This one's on me. Just a minute, Ramsey. As long as I'm not going to live to tell it, maybe you'll confirm a deduction I made. Certainly, my dear fellow. A condemned man is always granted one last request. Speak up. This high school victory league's a flaunty, isn't it? You're playing on the patriotism of school kids to get them to donate their money to build destroyers and planes. But the money never gets any further than your own pocket. Isn't that it? Oh, yes, Mr. Carter. Since you put it bluntly that way, I am forced to admit that you're entirely correct. But may I ask what it was that led you to believe that I was behind the league? Yes. When I was at Professor Johnson's office, I saw a poster on the wall advertising your dirty league. Oh, please, Mr. Carter. I mean just that. Swindling high school students out of their few dollars in the name of a patriotism that you never knew the meaning of is about the lowest form of stealing that I know of. Boy, just let me take a poke no, in, will you? No, no, no. We can afford to be good-natured. Mr. Carter hasn't much time left, you know. You go on, Mr. Carter. As I said, I saw the poster on the wall advertising your dirty racket. And then Patsy found one of your stickers in her handkerchief where she'd picked it up off your floor. I recall then seeing that each of the packages she knocked over in here had a sample sticker pasted on it. It was easy enough then to put two and two together and get the required four. It's too bad that your undoubted excellence in mathematics can't save you. And all because one little school teacher suspected his kids were being cheated. Poor Professor Johnson. It is too bad for him that I found him wandering around this building, looking for the offices of the high school victory league. He told me he suspected it was a phony outfit, and he was going to see right and justice done. <laughs> I offered to take him right to the police station, and I did. <laughs> Although I wasn't with him when he got there. <laughs> Very funny. Yes. Hurry up, boss. We got way to do. Yes. Well, Mr. Carter, this is it. Blast and banshees, Nick. Don't do this to me again. I tell you, my nerves won't stand it. Oh, what's the matter, Riley? You got your men. They're lying on the ground here, howling like stuck pigs. Yeah, sure, but, but what if I hadn't hit him when he aimed at you, Nick? What if I'd missed? Oh, Nick, your plan worked beautifully. The whole thing. Getting yourself found by Ramsey's henchman and my getting Riley up here to hear the confession and everything. Yeah, Patsy, but, but gee, don't run such a split-second chance of life and death again, Nick. My heart won't stand it. Well, that was worth it. Just to see Ramsey walk into the trap like a bear looking for honey. Hey, Nick. Oh, Shorty, come on in. Take a look at her handiwork. Gee, so that's the bum who tried to frame me to the hot seat. He'll be getting it himself before long, thanks to Nick Carter. Riley, I want to tell you something. Of all the criminals I've tracked down, catching Ramsey gave me the most pleasure. A fellow like that trading on the patriotism of school kids is about the lowest rat in the world. Why, bad as the Nazis are, a guy like this is worse. You're right, Nick. You said it, Nick. Well, Riley, you've got all the evidence you need. Mm -hmm. The package of posters in the next room, the package of stickers here, and the confession. Right, Nick. We can take over from here. Thanks. Okay, Riley. So long. So long, Nick. So long, Patrick. So long, Lieutenant. 
Oh, Patsy, come on. Chin up. Carry on and all that sort of thing. It's not my chin that's worrying me, Nick. It's having to walk down those ten flights of stairs again. That'll be the fourth trip tonight. Why, Patsy. And at your age, too. Look, Nick. Can't we just sit here on the top step for the next six hours? You think you'd be rested enough then to walk down the ten flights? I think that by then the elevators will be running again. And what a wonderful invention the elevator is. This has been another of the strange adventures of Nick Carter, Master Detective, which are brought to you regularly each week at this same time by WOR Mutual. Now, tell us a little about next week's story, Nick. Well, next week's story includes rather more adventure than actual detecting. But if Nick hadn't been able to make the first few deductions that really started him off on the right track, there would have been no adventure. And there was adventure and plenty of it. I came nearer to meeting my match when I met Dr. Donaldson than at any other time in my career. This Dr. Donaldson was a specialist in secret and dangerous poisons, and he tried one of them out on Nick. But in the end, I managed to get the better of him and solve a mystery that had the police completely stopped. We call it the empty coffin because it was an empty coffin that gave us the first clue. And it was two different doctors making out two separate death certificates for the same death that led to that first clue. Well, that's enough for now. Join us next week for the story of the empty coffin. So long. So long, folks. And so long to you, Nick and Patsy. Until next week. In the strange adventure you have just heard, Nick Carter was impersonated by Lon Clark, Patsy by Helen Choate. The story was written for Nick Carter by Bart Conry. Original music was played by Lou White. The entire production was under the direction of Jock McGregor. <laughs> Next week, at this same time, listen to another curious experience of Nick Carter entitled... The Empty Coffin. Or Nick Carter and the Mystery of the Doctor's Poison. This story is a copyrighted feature of Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. The return of Nick Carter is produced in the studios of WOR and is broadcast over most of these stations every Saturday evening at 7 o'clock Eastern Wartime. And don't forget that the adventures of Nick's adopted son, Chick Carter, are broadcast over most of these stations Mondays through Fridays at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Wartime. This is Mutual. Stay tuned for the life story of Arthur Lake, the actor who portrayed Dagwood on the Blondie radio show. Time now for Blondie and Dagwood, starring Arthur Lake, best known for bringing Dagwood Bumstead, the bumbling husband of Blondie, to life in film, radio, and television. He was born in 1905, when his father and uncle were touring with a circus in an aerial act known as the Flying Silver Lakes. That was his real last name, Silver Lakes. His mother, Edith Goodwin, was an actress. His parents later appeared in vaudeville in a skit, Family Affair. Now, moviegoers first heard Lake speak when he appeared as Harold Astor, the lead of the 1929 musical comedy production, On With the Show. The picture is notable as the first all-talking feature film in the early sound film era. Arthur Lake is best known, of course, for portraying Dagwood Bumstead, 
the husband of the title character of the Blondie comic strip in 28 Blondie films produced by Columbia Pictures between 38 and 1950. He was also the voice of Dagwood on the radio series, which you're going to hear, of course, just a little bit later on here. Many of the actors on the radio show noted that Lake's commitment to the program, stating that on the day of the broadcast, Lake was Dagwood Bumstead. Far from being upset about being typecast, Lake continued to embrace the role of Dagwood in a short-lived 1957 Blondie TV series. And then, even into the 1960s and beyond, he often gave speeches to rotary clubs and other civic organizations, eagerly posing for pictures with a Dagwood sandwich. Well, let's hear the episode tonight, entitled Scrooge. Ah, uh, 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 don't touch that dial. Listen to... since our weekly visit to the Bumsteads falls on Christmas Day, we find them surrounded by ex-Christmas packages and what came out of them. Dagwood's on the couch relaxing after dinner, and somewhere, not quite far enough off, Baby beats a toy drum. And at the desk, Blondie is checking over some figures of her own. Dagwood, hmm? I've been going over the list of people who sent us Christmas cards, hmm? and the list of people we sent cards to. Uh-huh. You can't win, Dagwood. Uh-huh. It's always the same way. This year, we sent three cards to people who didn't send us any. Oh, well. We got plenty. That isn't it, Dagwood. Six people sent us cards that we didn't send any to. Now, isn't that terrible? Well, we could send three extras we got to three people we didn't and uh, come out three ahead. Oh, no, Dagwood. No? We'll have to make up for it next year. Mm-hmm. Look, Blondie, let's not start figuring on next year yet, huh? I'm all tired out from this one. Oh. Hey, who gave Baby Dumpling that drum? Mr. Fuddle. Ah, uh, spite work. Oh, no, Dagwood. I'll bet it was. Just because I gave their little Alvin a bugle. Hey, look at Daddy. Look at Mommy. I'm up and right. Yes, we see you, baby. Yeah, we hear you too, baby. Look, go be a parade over at Fuddles. Oh, now, Dagwood, it's Christmas. I know, but I was up practically all night helping Santa Claus. Oh, did you see him, Daddy? Huh? Oh, sure. Did he say what he was so mad about? Uh, huh? How's that, baby? Oh, Sandy never gets mad. He was last night. I heard him. Oh, dear. Uh, what did you hear, baby? Well, I heard a big bump and it woke me up. Then I heard Santa hollering that he stepped on a roller skate. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. You must remember not to leave those skates around, baby. Suppose Sandy did get mad and never came back. Oh, he'd forget us by next year. <laughs> oh, gosh. They put strong stuff in those drums, don't they? Don't they ever break? It's because I'm such a good drummer. I know, just kind of hard to get it. Here I go. I'll be back. No hurry. Boy, I'm tired. If it was quiet, I bet I'd sleep for a week. What are you figuring now, Blondie? Oh, just making sure we sent a present to everybody who sent us one. We did. Yeah, we sent one extra, too, to Dither's. Can you imagine that guy not giving us a present this year, Blondie? No, oh, I guess he just overlooked it. He did not. He's just too mean. Oh, no, Dagwood. It, it was just some mistake. You know who Dithers reminds me of? Mm-mm. That old bird in Dickens' Christmas Carol, Scrooge. Dagwood. Yes, sir. You know, Aunt Bessie sent Baby a copy of that story. I know. And, uh, and while you were getting dinner, I read it to Baby. I read it twice. 
And Scrooge reminded me of dinners both times. Oh, golly, here comes the drum again. Well, I'll try to keep Baby quiet if you want a little nap, Dad. A little nap? I'm short a whole night's sleep now. Baby! Baby! Not so loud. Poor Daddy's tired. Stop now. Well, but, Mommy, this is about all I have to play with. Why, Baby Dumpling, you have lots of toys. Yeah. They're most all broken now, Mommy. Why did you break the quiet ones first? Here's your toy telephone. You could play with that. Make believe you're calling up somebody. Okay, Mommy. Well, I put my drum down. Oh, oh. Uh, listen, baby. Uh, call up Mommy on the, that uh, toy phone and ask her to keep the house quiet, huh? Daddy wants a nap. Okay, Daddy. Oh. Hello. Is this you, Mommy? Hello. Yes, baby. Hey, Mommy. Is it okay for Daddy to go to sleep on the couch with his shoes on? Oh. Well, on Christmas, I guess it is. Okay, bye. Hey, Mommy, read me a story. Well, what would you like? That book and Nancy spent Christmas Carol. Daddy said he read you that twice. Yeah, I did. It's a fine story, but twice in one day is enough. I know it by heart. You read it, Mommy. Oh, all right. I'll read softly so Daddy can sleep. Here it is. Start here where it tells about the mean old Scrooge, Mommy. All right. It says, Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Hard and sharp as flint. My, my goodness. I think Daddy does know it by heart. Yeah. Reminds me of Dithers. Shh, Dagwood. Go on, Mommy. Well... He carried his own low temperature always about with him. He iced his office on dog days and didn't thaw it one degree at Christmas. Oh, Scrooge, dithers. The heaviest rain and snow and hail and sleet could boast of the advantage over him in only one respect. They often came down handsomely, and Scrooge never did. Reminds <laughs> me of a fuddle joke. Follow and Scrooge. If Daddy worked for Scrooge, I'd tell him where to get off at. I'd ring him up on my phone and tell him like this. Hello, Scrooge and Dithers. Dad Cratchit speaking. Daddy's dreaming, Mommy. <laughs> he's dreaming he's Bob Cratchit, Scrooge's clerk. The door of Scrooge's counting house was open so that he might keep his eye upon his clerk, who, in a dismal little cell, was copying letters. Hello, Scrooge and Dithers Construction Company. Mr. Scrooge is in conference. This is Dad Cratchit. Oh, oh uh, hello, Mr. Scrithers, uh, uh, Mr. Doogie. Uh, hey, Mr. Scrooge, Cratchit. You sound like Dithers. Ah, who's Dithers? The man who sounds like you. What's the matter with you? Are you sleeping on my time? I don't know. I feel kind of funny. You've probably gone batty, Cratchit. When I came in, you were talking to yourself. Oh, no, sir. I was talking on the phone. Phone? Huh? What's that? Uh, why, this thing right here. And I... Uh, oh, hey... Where is it? I never heard of a phone. Oh, my mistake. I guess they haven't been invented yet. No. If they had been, I wouldn't have one. Too expensive. There's something mighty funny about all this. Ain't funny to me, Cratchit. Wake up! Oh, I wish I could. Trouble is, I keep this office too hot for you. Hot? Look at the frost on the windows, Mr. Scrooge. Nonsense! That's just a little fog outside. It's foggy all over London today. London? 
Uh, oh, yeah. You act tipsy, Cratchit. Huh? Been drinking the ink? No, sir. I never drink ink. Anyway, it's frozen. Nonsense. Look at the blaze in that fireplace. Oh, that's nothing but some red paper with a candle behind it. Well, use your imagination, Cratchit. Uh, look, Mr. Scrooge, it's Christmas Eve. Couldn't I have a real fire? Just one lump of coal? No. Oh. I can't get at the coal. I'm not going to open the safe again today. Well, then, can I have a sip of water? Now it's water. Well, just a sip. Next it'll be two sips, and then a glass. And then you'll want to bathe in the stuff. Never mind. The water is frozen, too. Good. It'll last longer that way. Now get back to your stool and get to work. Yes, sir. Crash it! Oh, no, yes, sir. What's the idea of two candles burning at once? One each side of the ledger. Uh, why, that's a little invention of mine, Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> I, I can see both sides of the ledger at once that way. Pah! You only work on one side at a time. There. One's enough. Listen. It sounds like a drum. Nonsense. That's a horse. It's some fool wasting his money on a hansom cab. Probably my nephew, Fred. Well, it must be nice to take a cab when it's so foggy. Yeah. Last time Fred took a cab, he parked double in front of Buckingham Palace. And I had to fix his ticket. Listen, they must have met another cab. The traffic in London today is a menace to life and limb. I'll write a letter to the Times. It says, speaking of your nephew, Fred, reminds me. He sent a message today. If he wants money, he won't get it. No, sir. He just said, Merry Christmas. He sent it collect. Merry humbug. Pistache. Fiddle, faddle. Christmas. Oh, come, Mr. Scrooge. Don't Mr. Scrooge me. I suppose you're leading up to asking for the day off tomorrow. Yes, sir. If quite convenient. Well, it isn't. What are you putting your tippet on now for? It's after closing time, sir. And it's a long walk to Camden Town, now that the horse trams have stopped running. What? Stopped? Why wasn't I told? Well, right after you got on the board of directors, Mr. Scrooge, <laughs> the tram stopped running. Why? What happened? Well, you gave orders to cut down the horse's hay. I put him in training, that's all. Huh? Gave him one handful less every day. That way, they didn't miss it. Uh -huh. And in a few weeks, I'd have them used to no hay. Yes, sir. But just when they were getting used to it, they all died. Ah, just lack of cooperation, that's all. Well, don't stand talking, Cratchit. If you're going, get out. Yes, sir. You're wasting the candle. Yes, sir. Uh, could I have my week's wages now? Christmas shopping, you know. <laughs> a fool and his money are soon parted, Cratchit. You'll never be rich if you spend as fast as you get it. Well, my family... You can't afford a family. No. Utter extravagance. Oh, but here you are. Five shillings and tuppence halfpenny, Just for loafing here all last week. Thank you, sir. But it should be five shillings, threepence halfpenny. Huh? Why the extra penny? I loafed half a day on Sunday, too. Ah, get out! Right. And be here all the earlier day after tomorrow. Yes, sir. <laughs> Knock, knock. Who's there? Dag. Dag who? Dag gone. I forgot to wish you a Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge. Merry Poppycock, Cratchit. Scaram. Yes, sir. Daddy's still asleep, baby Dumplin'. Sure, Mommy. He thinks he's running in his dream. Look at his leg. He thinks he's sliding. Maybe he's dreaming about where Bob Cratchit slid downhill with the boys 20 times before he ran all the way home to Camden Town and Mrs. Cratchit and Tiny Tim. Hey, Blondie, Blondie Cratchit. Where's Tiny Dumplin'? Here I am, Father. 
Well, Dad Cratchit, what kept you so long tonight? Well, I ran all the way home. Who's that in the chimney corner? Cratchit! Oh, this is... Why, it's Mr. Scrooge. Uh, How did you get here ahead of me? I flew, Cratchit. Flew through the air. Oh, you must be spoofing, sir. I never spoof. I had a nasty experience. I found a ghost in my bedroom. Huh? I was counting my money before going to bed... And when I took the padlock off my wallet... I know. A moth flew out. Yes. No! wasn't a moth. It was a ghost. And it didn't come out of my wallet. It wafted through the wall. But that's not the worst. No? No. Oh. This ghost said three other ghosts would come for me. They're going to take me for a ride. Oh, my. Gangster ghosts? No, Christmas ghosts. The first one will be there when the clock strikes one. But I'll fool him. I won't be there. I'll be here. Well, that's fooling them. Oh, hey, maybe they will follow you here. Oh, there goes the clock. Oh, here comes the ghost. I hear him on the stairs. Oh, maybe just one of the neighbors. No, it's the ghost coming for me. In a minute, he'll knock on that door. If you're going to knock, knock. That is one of our neighbors. Sure, uh, Fezwig Fuddle. <laughs> He's a card, too. Don't let him in. I am in, old Scrooge Ball. <laughs> that sounds like Fezwig Fuddle. Yeah, and it looks a little like him. But it kind of looks like a ghost, too. Well, that just goes to show you. <laughs> what do you want with me? Why, buddy, I'm the senior member of the firm of Ghost, Ghost, and Ghost. Tours de Luxe. Have a card, chum. Where are the other members of the firm, huh? All the other boys will be along later. Uh. Now, we have tours of Christmas past, present, and future. I head up the past department myself. Ready for a little excursion, Scrooge UOG? No! I don't want to go back in the past. I, uh, I've been there. Well, you never know the old place now. <laughs> Come on, this is for free. Oh, free? Any tips? Nary a tip, pal. Come on, I'll show you some nice spirit. No, you'll get me back in the past and then make me walk home. Oh, no, no tricks on our personally conducted ghost rides, friend. That wouldn't be showing the right spirit. <laughs> you get it? Uh, look, Mr. Scrooge, oh, why don't you go with him? He makes me nervous. Yes, Mr. Scrooge, a little fresh air would do you good. Don't worry, folks. He'll go with me, okay, when the clock strikes one. Oh, oh, it's going to strike now. I'm not going. I, I'll hold on to Dad Cratchit here. No, no, listen. Let, let go. Oh. Look at Mommy. The ghost is fading. So is Mr. Scrooge. So am I. Help! They're all gone, Mommy. Oh, Blondie. several reasons why so many thousands of smokers are turning to slow-burning camel cigarettes. Extra mildness is one, also extra coolness, and the extra fine flavor and aroma of camel's finer, more expensive tobaccos. But don't overlook this fact. Slow-burning camels also give you economy. Recent impartial laboratory tests tell the whole story. In these tests, camels burn 25% slower than the average of the 15 other of the largest selling brands tested slower than any of them. Now that means camels give a smoking plus equal on the average to five extra smokes per pack. So join those who are turning to slow burning. 
to slow-burning camel cigarettes. And to all of you who received camels for Christmas, may you enjoy more pleasure per puff and more puffs per pack in America's number one cigarette, camels. And now, back in the Bumstead home. We find Blondie still reading to Baby Dumpling and Dagwood still on the couch, dreaming that he is Dag Cratchit. He seems to be having a double-feature dream, so let's catch the last half. Oh, hey, hey, let go. Let go. Let go, Scrooge. Oh. Hey, hey, Scrooge. Open your eyes. We're back home again. Well, Dad Cratchit, you gave me a turn. Going out with a perfect stranger like that ghost. I couldn't help it, Blondie Cratchit. Have a nice ride, Father? Well, yes and no. No, but definitely no. Huh? Uh, see, uh, the ghost showed Mr. Scrooge his old school days. Boy, was little Scrooge smart at arithmetic. Oh, I don't know. Sure you were. Listen, the teacher asked him if he had $5 to divide among nine other kids, how much would each kid get? And Scrooge figured each kid would get uh, 30 cents. Well, I was young and green in those days. I could make a real deal with those kids now. Mm, I see what spoiled your trip now, Mr. Scrooge. Remorse. Yeah. Well, maybe the next trip will be better. The next? Oh, I'd forgotten those other blasted ghosts. You think they'll show up? Oh, listen. Yeah, yeah. He, he, here comes the next one. The ghost of Christmas present. Why, that sounds like the Fezziwig Fuddle ghost again. Come in. I am in, buddy. I just whacked through the wall. <laughs> You're the same one who was here before. I thought you were the ghost of Christmas past. Spook what you're spoken to, Scrooge. Yeah. <laughs> You see, our firm is pretty busy right now, and I have to double up on my route. So, so now you're the ghost of Christmas present, huh? No. The way old Scrooge has been acting, he ain't going to get any Christmas presents. <laughs> you get it? Oh, I'm, I'm hot as a firecracker tonight. Well, if you're a firecracker, why don't you go off? How's that? Get it? <laughs> no. Oh. Well, look, leave me out of this next trip, huh, will you? What's the matter? Did you like the ride? Well, uh, you know how it is. I'm not used to flying over housetops with ghosts. Ghosts fly a little high for you, eh? Well, around Christmas time, you've got to expect high spirits. Ah! <laughs> oh, I got a million. Huh? You got a million? Well, now, maybe we can do business. We're going to do business, Pop. My way. Get ready to really step out when the clock strikes one. Again? I don't know what's got into that clock tonight. Listen, I don't want to see any more spooks. Why not? You're kind of a shady character yourself. <laughs> Ooh, get ready. There goes the clock. No, no, I won't go. Don't grab me this time. Hold on to the table. Oh, he's gone. So is the table. Oh, look. Yeah, the ghost sent back the table. Well, we'll have something to eat Christmas dinner off of anyway. Yes, but, but we haven't anything in the house for Christmas dinner. You mean there isn't any little snack at all in the icebox? Uh, icebox? What's that? Oh, I forgot. That's another thing they haven't invented yet. What will it be when it is invented? Oh, boy. Why, it'll be something to keep food in. All kinds of food and sandwich material. Boy, can I make a sandwich when I have the stuff. It's a shame we're so poor, Dad Cratchit. Yeah, no Christmas dinner. I tried to borrow one of those two crows the chimney sweep caught, but it didn't work. He needed them for his own Christmas dinner, I guess. Yeah, he said his wife's folks were coming over. Well, don't you care, Dad Cratchit. We're better off than poor Mr. Scrooge. 
Imagine being haunted by flying ghosts like that. Yeah. Hey, listen. It's one of the ghost boys again. Oh, what does he want now? Scrooge isn't here anymore. Well, well, open the door and see what he wants, Dad Cratchit. It makes me nervous when he floats through the wall. Okay, I'm coming. Ha-ha, <laughs> fooled you, didn't I? Why, it's Mr. Scrooge. Why, Mr. Scrooge, how did you get away from that last ghost? Yeah, they weren't ghosts at all. No? No. Just something I asked. Oh. You mean you were dreaming? That must have been it. But, but how did we get into your dream? Anything can get into a dream, Blondie Cratchit. Look, you want to see what I can do? Look, my arms are empty, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Well, abracadabra, hocus, pocus. Now look. Gosh. A turkey. What a turkey. Oh. It's the biggest bird I ever saw. <laughs> I told you so. I can produce all the fixings, too, because I'm in your dream now. <laughs> hey, 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 Mr. Scrooge, <laughs> you've changed a lot since I last saw you. Well, I'll tell you, Dad Cratchit. Uh. When I woke up from my dream, I knew I'd been stingy all my life. I was so glad to discover I still had a chance to celebrate Christmas as it should be celebrated that I went around yelling a Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy New Year to all the world. Hello! Whoops! Hello! You did? Yeah. Silly, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. It's lots better than being... Well... Say it. Grouchy. I know. Well, that's all over for me. Why, I'm so generous now, it hurts. I'm, I'm loose as ashes. Yeah? Definitely spendthrift. Oh. Why, I went down to the office and lit two candles. Oh, goodness. Not only that, but I, I'm going to let them burn all night. Oh. <laughs> a boy. And you know what, Dad Cratchit? No, what? Well, I lit a real fire in the fireplace. Both lumps of coal. Bingo, like that. Gosh. And then when they were burning good, I went back to the safe and I took out the mortgage I hold over this house you live in. The mortgage? Uh-huh. And I carried it over to the fire. Oh, Mr. Scrooge, did you burn the mortgage? Well, uh, no, but I gave it a pretty bad scorching. Oh, well, uh, say, thanks, Mr. Scrooge. Don't mention it, my boy. Why, <laughs> what a fine fellow you are, Dad Cratchit. Huh? I'm going to raise your wages. Oh, Mr. Scrooge. I insist. Now, let's eat that turkey. It has to be cooked yet. Why, it is cooked. Didn't you notice? Oh, my. When did that happen? And look, Dad Cratchit, the table's all set. <laughs> I fixed that, too. Oh, and and when we're all through eating, will the dishes wash themselves? Why, hmm? positively. I keep telling you, Blondie Cratchit, anything can happen tonight. Golly, oh. a, a raise and a turkey. Thanks, Mr. Scrooge. Say, you're the best boss in the world. From now on, Dad Cratchit, that's what I'm going to be. The top. Why, I'd rather work for you than the WPA. Hey, listen, the bell. The Christmas bell. Hooray for Christmas! Oh. Hooray for you, too! Uh, hey, wait, that's an electric bell. They aren't invented yet. Hey, wait, Scrooge. Don't fade away like that. Wait, Blondie. Well, where are you going? Goodness, that doorbell is waking Daddy up, baby Duncan. Hurry and open the door. It's Mr. Dizzler's, Mommy. Hello, Mommy. Where's Bumstead? My, what a nice surprise, Mr. Dizzler. Why, oh, uh, there's Dad went on the couch. He's, he's been sleeping. No, Dreaming. Don't, don't, don't go away. I'm not going anywhere. I just came in. Best boss a man ever had. How's that? Does he mean me? Oh, why, yes, of course. Well... 
I never knew just how Bumstead felt about me before. Hooray! Hooray for my boss, Mr. Scrooge. Huh? What did he call me? The Stooge? Uh, No, no. Uh, Maybe I'd better wake Dagwood up. I'll wake him. Bumstead! Yeah, I'm coming. I'll put out the candle. Candle? What candle? Wake up, Bumstead. Uh, Wake up, Daddy. Yes, wake up, dear. Oh, hey, what's the matter? Where am I? At home. Oh, yeah. You're still asleep. I'll get my drum. Go out to my car, baby, Dumbo, and there's a present for you out there. Oh, boy. Hey, Dag, snap out of it. Remember me? Oh, sure. Oh, hello, Mr. Dithers. Say thanks for the turkey. Uh, Turkey? What turkey? Oh, oh, no, that was in my dream. (sighs) Biggest... Turkey I ever saw. Mm, you would dream about food, Dag. Not only food. Guys, that was a funny dream. Want to hear it, huh? Uh, some other time, Dag. Right now, I want to give you a present. Oh, a present? Yep. Held it back till today to surprise you. Here it is. A bonus check. Oh, Dagwood. Look at the figure on that check. For me? Yep. From you? Certainly. I'm still dreaming. Why, Dagwood, that's not nice. Just just look at that check. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> hey, it, didn't you make a mistake? I've made a good many, Bumstead, in the past. But uh, <clears throat> I uh, want you to know, Bumstead, that the J.C. Dithers Company appreciates the fine spirit you've shown. Uh-huh. A, uh, a very fine spirit of uh, cooperation and uh, loyalty to our interests. Uh-huh. Therefore, in appreciation of your work... And uh, to promote the welfare of your peaceful little home. I say peaceful little home. Baby, where did you get that bass drum? Quiet, baby. Uh, oh, 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 sorry. Uh, what were you saying, Mr. Peter? <laughs> Never mind. Take the check. And have a good time. Well, I got to get home to Corey now. See you later. Oh, Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Thanks for the check. Thanks for the bass drum, too. Oh, welcome. Well, Dagwood, I hope you're ashamed of yourself now. Me? Why? Oh, just before you went to sleep, you said Mr. Dithers reminded you of old Scrooge. <laughs> well, what of it? Scrooge turned out all right. So did Dithers. Hey, Daddy, can huh? I take my new bass drum over to Elvin Fuddles? <laughs> sure, why not? Let's all go over to the Fuddles. Now, Dagwood, huh? maybe the Fuddles want to relax after their Christmas dinner. They may want quiet. Relax? Quiet? On Christmas? Oh, no, come on. We'll serenade them. Hey, give me that bass drum, baby. Now, Dad. Well, he can have his little drum, and you take the tin trumpet off the tree, Blondie. Well, oh, I'd rather play than listen. Come on. <laughs> Here we go. We're a parade. We'll go over and wish the Fuddles Merry Christmas. And the whole neighborhood. And the whole world. Right. Merry Christmas, everybody. From Blondie. And Dagwood. And Baby Dumplin. Merry Christmas. <laughs> is played by Penny Singleton and Dagwood by Arthur Lake, the Columbia Picture Stars. And so, till next Monday, we leave the Bumsteads, Blondie and Dagwood. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Adventures of Ellery Queen, followed by Life with Luigi. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. <laughs>
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.